0: Time for Forty Niners Rush Podcast. And here's your host, John Chapman.
1: What is going on, 49ers faithful? I've got a big old freaking smile on my face today because the guy next to me, the man, the myth, Vish, how are you, my friend, an amazing content creator? How are you doing today, my friend?
2: Dude, I'm doing good. I got a big old smile on my face. <laughs> not that I'm not just that I'm back here, but what an intro! What hey, an intro! Well, like, we do these shows
1: with awesome people all the time. And we're very, very lucky because this community is freaking – it's badass. Right. But, like, I've been able to hang out with you two years in a row in person and right. have drinks. I met some of your friends and some family. I feel like, all right, Vish and I, were stepping this relationship up a little bit, man. That's that's how I feel.
2: Dude, yeah. And we, <laughs> we were able to talk, especially this time in Chicago. Um, I was obviously going through kind of a transition period in my life. I was trying to figure out how I wanted to fit in. Um, in terms of doing content, whether I wanted to do it, how it was going to be a part of my life as now I was no longer in school. And you and I were able to talk about that a little bit and stuff like that. So definitely our relationship stepped up because we were obviously not just, hey, John, what's up? How are the 49ers? It was a little bit more. You met my family as well. So that was awesome.
1: Man, and I'll say this, like I, for those of you that might not know Vish, which you probably do, and if you do, you're lucky. If you don't, you're even luckier because you're about to get to know him The dude's too damn smart for his own good, which is a great thing. And I'm going to learn today. You're going to be learning with me. We're just going to be talking kind of the state of the 49ers. Uh, If you've got questions, go ahead and throw those up in the chat. And, man, we're just going to have a fun conversation and hopefully understand not only this team better, but kind of put parameters around the offseason. What is the let's steady the ship not that it needs steadying but where should this 49ers boat be directed and or driven so before we jump into that um in the description of this video the very top line you're going to find the address for vicious channel okay on youtube which is incredible so pause this video whatever you got to do click on that go hit subscribe jump back here um and let's start getting your questions in and i want you to try to stump this guy because he's too damn smart for me but uh we're gonna have a good time so just uh let's get these going here we go Bobo. what's up i appreciate the super chat he says state of the franchise revenge tour year number 29 ah you're hurting me (laughs) you're hurting me well here the first question that i have for you vish and I'm not sure how much into the draft you are, and doesn't really matter if you haven't started it yet or whatever. I just started working on my draft to uh, work with Josh. Okay. He helps us with that stuff. But my question comes to you, Roberto asked this as well in an email. Regardless of draft picks, value, where they're picking, whatever, if you could just pick the two positions that the 49ers should address or you would like them to address with their first two picks, if you could just say, I want a DT and a safety or whatever, what are the first two positions that kind of come to your mind? And again, doesn't matter if we trade up, trade back, not looking for specific names, but just some positions that you think the 49ers should target early uh, with their priority picks.
2: Yeah. I, I. So when you ask about the early picks, it actually changes the conversation because I'm not going to mention what I think is their largest positional need, because I think that can be found later in the draft typically, so I'll preface it by saying what I think is their large, largest positional need. It's the interior defensive line. They need some size. They missed DJ Jones's size. Kinlaw played well, actually, when he originally came back from injury. And then I know a lot of people got on him for the Eagles game, which I thought was kind of an easy way to pick on him because he didn't have a strong playoffs at all. And to me, the reflection I have on Kinlaw is that that knee is still not right. It's still not fully there. Um, I know that there was some reporting that, hey – Kinlaw himself wanted to play that's why the Niners didn't rule him out this year the Niners didn't feel like the knee was there we don't know when the knee is ever going to be there but they need size they have a lot of these smaller gap shooters right when Ridgeway got hurt they brought in T.Y. McGill who brought penetration and quickness Kevin Givens is again a smaller guy that penetrates and quickness but they need some size to eat up double teams give Armstead some help but that's their first kind of positional need, I think that guy can be addressed in the fifth and sixth round, and Kalia Davis is coming back as well, so we'll find out if he's there. In terms of positional need right off the bat, to me, it's bring in a right tackle. That guy doesn't, you're not going to find a starting right tackle in the third round. You're not going to find one in the fourth down. Maybe you do, but likely the traits aren't there. But bring in a guy that's young that you can develop to compete with Colton McKivitz. I think Colton McKivitz can be serviceable given his price tag, and the fact that he competes his butt off. And he's smart. He knows the system and he's physical and he's tough and he does his job. Um, but you do need some sort of long-term competition there and some sort of plan. So that would be my first thing. Cause I, I think Mike McGlinchey is right out the door. A lot of 49ers fans disrespect Michael McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey. Mike, excuse me, Mike McGlinchy is about to get a massive contract this offseason. Yeah. That's gonna shock a lot of people. And I would love the Niners to bring him back. I don't think they can afford it. And so the second position then to me is safety. I don't what is the situation with Tashawn Gibson? Jimmy Ward to me is out the door. I, I felt like he's been out the door from the beginning. He's said as much. I think the yeah. Nick spot Ward, is completely replaceable because I think Mosley should be priority one in free agents coming back. And that leaves Womack and Lenore to kind of compete for the nickel spot. Both guys have shown the ability to do it. We'll find out this offseason, but it's find that safety next to Hufanga. I, I think obviously if you could bring Gibson back, it would be ideal because he's Kind of the perfect option for this defense he's a veteran player who knows his job he understands the pass game he can play from the post he's always in the right spot he's not running anybody down now as we saw he couldn't run down Trent Shurfield couldn't run down a few guys but he does his job at a high level but if you're unable to bring him back there has to be some sort of replacement there I don't think George Odom is that guy I don't think Tarvarius Moore is that guy there has to be a guy back there um and it won't be a one-for-one replacement of Gibson. You will likely draft a guy with better physical traits but won't have, won't make up for the vast experience and knowledge that Gibson brought to the back end. But to me, that's the other position that you kind of need to find a starter as well.
1: Man, it's interesting what you said about Gibson because, you know, whenever I'm doing the film, Gibson is just always, he's an umbrella is what right. I call him because he just stays on top. He doesn't go anywhere fast. He's not fast, right. but he just, the instincts... And awareness and just always just the umbrella, just right on top of the ball carrier, doing his job as a true safety. It's funny because him and Hufung are quote-unquote safeties. Yeah. Could not be di- more diametrically. Right. opposed. <laughs> you got like the rabid just flying in there with his hair on fire. And then you've got, you know, the old age uh, just sitting on top, doing my job. I'm good. I don't have to get in the pile. <laughs>
2: I'm all right. and, and- And it's a really interesting conversation, right? Because the conversation on Niners Twitter has always been Hufunga Tart. And it's a really nice conversation. It's a great conversation. A lot of people like debating it. As someone who felt like Hufunga wasn't going to adequately replace what Tart's brought to this defense, it's not a Hufunga Tart debate anymore to me because they did replace Tart, but it was never Hufunga that replaced Tart. It's Gibson that's doing his job, that's being the veteran that stays back there. In fact, he's brought better ball production than Tart ever did. And I love Tart. He's a good guy. He came on my show a couple of times. Great guy. That was awesome. He never brought the ball production that Gibson brought. And you look at that kind of veteran presence, that's going to be in the right spot, that understands your defense, understands the pass game. It allows Hufanga to play as free as he did this year. Cause the communication between those two guys, I thought was really, really underrated. The Niners have a lot of different coverage shifts and different shifts based on, you know, motions, what happens on three by ones, a lot of that and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people do jump on the bus. And the thing they don't understand is they're communicating on 80 different plays. So if they bust one, they're actually batting 79 for 80, which is a pretty ridiculous number. But, you know, people only notice the ones they bust. But there were so many different coverage rotations, different things they got right. And I thought Gibson had such a huge role in that. And I think Hufanga is actually ready to become the veteran to a younger player at safety. And I I, I don't know if it's time that you go back to Gibson because for whatever reason, I'm going to go back to 2014 here a little bit, Um, John. I I feel like there's a little bit of an Antoine Bethea situation here where you got this veteran who plays really, really well his first year, but I don't know if Gibson can reproduce exactly what he did last year for the next year, 49ers. And we saw that a little bit with Antoine Bethea, where 2014 he might have been the best player on the 49ers defense, and then 2015 was – Kind of, hey, Antoine, but they said goodbye, and that was his NFL career, and they moved on to Tartan being the starter at safety. So I do think there's a little bit of that situation. I would actually like them, even if they bring back Gibson, to get a young option at safety that's, hey, he's our future there.
1: Yeah, a couple things. You know, you talked about the ball production. Last year, the 49ers had nine interceptions for the entire season. This year, uh, over 20. But nine of those interceptions were the safeties. Five, um, Gibson led the NFL, or led the 49ers in it picks with five, and then Hufunga with four. And again, piggybacking on that communication. One of the things that I thought was a, I don't know, maybe perhaps a misnarrative is how clean Hufungo was in probably the last five games, including the playoffs. Because we saw the busted coverages earlier, and yeah, the, the flat came out for him, and rightfully so. But man, through the playoffs, Hufunga was as clean as he had been all year, and so I still see his play is ascending. But who's his partner in crime going to be? Um, that's one of the things that's interesting. I'm with you. I think that you know, last year, right. everybody was crying safety, safety, first pick, safety, safety, and they right, didn't draft right. one.
2: <laughs> they, they didn't there you go. Yeah. Um, And Deshaun Gibson fell out of heaven for that. Dude, even the Hufanga bus situation, like for example against the Raiders, there's a couple of bus. So for me with Hufanga, the bus that concerned me more were earlier in the season when he had issues filling from the alley um in terms of there was a Christian McCaffrey touchdown run early in the season it's a tough play the play is drifting towards the sideline he's got him one-on-one in the alley and McCaffrey made a miss and scored a touchdown not that big of a deal right but those are the little things that Jimmy Ward used to do where it's a 20-yard play it's only a 20-yard play you don't turn it into an 80-yard play the bus like for example against the Raiders I don't know he's got the C-gap in the run fit He's got to be aggressive against the run because if he's late to fill, you're going to get on him. Okay, he was against aggr- he was aggressive against the run and they got him on a play. I I look at that as Josh McDaniels being a little bit more aware of what the 49ers were going to do defensively and having a counter to that rather than oh my god, Talanoa Hufanga is the worst player ever. Cut him tomorrow. But that that's just the reactions we get all the time, John, when we do this.
1: Yeah, it's it, you can't go wrong. And even I, you know. Talking about Kinlaw, just circling back before we jump uh, to the, to our next comment here. You know, Kinlaw had some very, very bad plays against the Eagles. They were all in the first half. Right. And so I did the first half breakdown because I break them up into half so they're not too long. And I walked away from the first half like, okay, this is by far the worst Kinlaw's ever played. Then I come out in the second half. The dude made three consecutive plays in a row. Were they sexy right. or whatever? But he didn't have a bad play in the second half. So, like, I walked away like, okay – he had a bad first half. He adjusted. He came out and played very, very well in the second half. I don't know. I'm not ready to write off the whole Ken Law thing. I know the knee's terrible, and we'll, we'll have that time. But I'm with you in the fact that you cannot have enough DTs, and the fact that I think it's like four out of 14. We only have four defensive linemen under contract out of the 14. Right, right. Right, You're going to need lots of people. Um, Jack, what's up, man? I want to say thank you for the super chat. Much appreciated, my friend. He said, first time I've been back since the default loss from the championship game. Welcome (laughs) back, my friend. Our healing processes are all delayed a little bit. Uh, Vish and I were talking right before we went live. Man, this year wore on uh, John Chapman just a little bit. I, I I was a mess, man, but I'm getting back into it. Um. finally jump back into the tape. We did a football 101 series on Patreon today, Vish, uh, just going over man versus zone, simple concepts, and just trying to literally start the ground up and, like, what do we miss? How do we increase the fan experience, things like that. Uh, but, Jack, just want to say thank you, man. Welcome back, my friend. And, uh, man, always good to I see you. I love how he
2: called it default loss. That one <laughs> made me laugh but also hurt me a little bit.
1: Well, let's stick with the uh, the jokes here, David Lovelace. What three running backs will we choose with our third round, three third round picks? So here's my question, because I'm starting to fill out my draft prospect list, and it's hard this year because we don't have a pick and probably a top ninety. So, like, you've got to do a lot more in depth. There's a lot of good running backs in that third to fourth, fifth round. Do you think it's possible or probable that the Niners will go? Running back again. Um, I don't know in the top third, fourth, or fifth round. Do you think it's possible that they do that again?
2: Yeah, because I think and, it is. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, as long as they don't trade up for him, I won't disparage the pick. Oh,
1: so their very first pick in the third round that uh, Mayhew Sala comp pick, they take a running back right there. You're fine.
2: It depends on who the back is, and okay. if I've evaluated the back. Cause like, for example, I was asked the same exact question last year about Kenneth Walker. And I, I, I usually study all the guys that are projected to go early in the draft. It's not even an exercise that's 49ers specific. It's more just for me to spend time learning, um, learning about prospects and then being able to then talk about them because at some point those prospects are the guys we're going to be talking about as we continue talking about the NFL. And I like to look back, well, what did I get wrong? How did I do this wrong? Whatever. Um, But either way, like, People asked me, or Larry Kruger, not people, Larry Kruger asked me specifically about Kenneth Walker at 61. And I said, I would 100% take him. Yeah. 100%. That's to me a top 15 running back if we're talking about 10 years ago, if he was coming out in the draft. He went and top he 40, was excellent. didn't he? Yeah. He was excellent yeah. this year. He went, I think he went in the four D's. I don't know if he went top 40. I think Brees Hall went top 40.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And the funny thing is, like, he, what's it called? If it was the old style of Rookie of the Year voting, he would have been the Rookie of the Year because he got the most first place votes. But uh, shout out to uh, Ranked Choice Voting uh, for the win. James, what's up, James Willick? Uh, One of the show's producers. He says, what's up? It's cool seeing Vish on here. Vish is the best, man. Uh, Go check out his stuff. Go check out his stuff. Support him. Uh, Super chat this dude. He does a hell of a job. And uh, we don't know when, but in the next week or two, I've got some yes. family coming to town. Yes. I get to be on his channel, which is going to be a lot of fun. So That's going to be fun. That.
2: Hopefully we're both a little bit further along on draft time because I'm assuming that's what we're going to have to talk about. But look at the 49ers. Uh, to quote you, golly. Like the 49ers, the 49ers just give us like a daily dose of something that makes somebody upset. That makes us have to have a conversation about it. God bless this team. Well, I mean, just look uh, at
1: today. You had the Trey Lance interview with Quincy Avery, his old quarterback throwing coach. And... You got a little bit of a glimpse with the his arm got tired, which, you know, certain people wrote about arm fatigue and this is going to be like a career concern. He got tired. And then he also talked about the trade to Nashville and how he sent up like an Instagram fingers across when Rand Carthon got right. hired. And I, it's I don't know. My my DNA. I love it when people reach out to me and I love it when people ask me questions. It's like my favorite thing in the world. And people will always respond. Like, I respond to every email, DM, whatever I can. Like, that is very important to me. Somebody wants to talk football with me. That's crazy to me. I want to take, uh you know, time to do that. However, whenever I get 15 Debo getting traded to New England emails in a row, like, my hair goes gray, Vish. Like, you don't have this problem yet. It's aging (sighs) me a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: No, I I totally understand because – I have kind of the same mindset and approach to you. So I was actually, it's funny enough, I was having this conversation on Twitter today because someone was getting really mad or something and I don't block or mute on Twitter. I really don't. And it's not because like people don't say very insensitive things to me. They do. It's just because I don't want to block you or mute you and then, the one time you might have something interesting for me, and it might be about football that might you know strengthen my thought or something, or I might learn something, or it's just a good conversation. I don't want to miss out on that one time. But when it comes, I, I also learned something by the DMs, by the way. There's a show more. I thought I was responding to all my DMs. I'm about like 60 or 70 DMs behind because there's a show more that filters out half your DMs. Some of them are bots, but some of them are also people I don't know why they've been filtered oh. out of my DM. So I need to go respond to that. It's funny I, that you bring that up. Cause I I've used got to, to figure that out. Good at that. Good at Uh-oh. that. But that's anyway, good yeah, good. I I'm literally here to talk about the sport and I, I really enjoy talking about it. And I really enjoy the conversation. I'm hundred percent glad that you said that. Cause I feel like a lot of people and I, I said this on Twitter today, that's why I wanted to bring it up is a lot of people immediately go ad hominem. It's personal to them. You say something about football. They don't like you're a clown. You're an idiot. You're this. And the reality of the situation is this isn't that serious to me. Not in the sense that it's not like I'm passionate about the sport. That's why I spend so much time watching. It's not serious to me in the sense that I have my family. I know who I am. I have a job. I know what my priorities are. I'm here just so we can talk about this sport. And I'm not here so that I can tell you I'm right or you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm here. Well, if I'm wrong, let me know. Let's have a conversation about it. Tell me why I'm wrong. I want to know because it makes it makes the conviction in my head on whether I'm right or wrong that much stronger if you provide good evidence. And so there's a lot of people here that I really enjoy interacting with. I really do. That's the best part of this. So many good conversations about football, especially when we go to your uh, parties before the games, so many good fans that are willing to talk about the sport and actually talk to us um, and have strong opinions and have great things to say. I just, it's just that 1% of people that are just, why are you this way? I don't know, but it, they, they turn you off a little bit towards it.
1: You know, I, I started at the quarterback position with my draft research and like simple, just simple stat collection, data, whatever. I haven't watched any film on anybody yet, but I'm finding their ages and whatever else. And so I finished the top 14 quarterbacks because I think there's a small possibility right. the Niners right. take a quarterback. And I was like, man, I'm curious. How old are all these guys? And I go through and I find out Trey Lance is younger than 11. Of the top 14 projected draft quarterbacks. Like, I just thought it was interesting. So I tweeted it. Like, I just put it out there just exactly like that. Like, not, I love Trey Lance, not I hate Trey Lance, just this is the truth. Like, and man, people were pissed. They were so mad yeah. and just, man, you're so wrong on Trey Lance. And you've all like, and I do love Trey Lance. Like, I am 100% yeah. a Trey Lance guy, like, whatever. But like, this wasn't even. Uh, Trey Lance is great. It's just that he's young. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. My thing on the blocking or muting is if you go like, I don't know. I, I kind of go into pop a bear mode. Right, like right, right. You can make fun of me in my red cheeks. All you want all day. Right. I'll, I'll join you and roast myself. Like I'm with you. I had no problem there. Super thick skin, literally, figuratively done. But you start making fun of people that follow me and my mentions. Right, right. Then I get like, all right. That's not cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I really wish we could do like a roast session on the show, like where I could just let people come in and make fun of me. Like, I'd be that every year I taught or coached the last day of school or practice when the season was over. We always had a roast session, and it was you guys keep families out of it, whatever else, go at it. Uh, and it was always like such a cool bonding experience because if you take yourself too seriously, and things don't go well. Um, but anyway, that's just me. Matt, want to say thank you for the super chat. He says, love you guys. Chapman and Vish are excellent. I love it. Niner Empire. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the Niner Empire. Speaking of which, I got to reach out to the, the head of that chapter or of the freaking empire itself. I want to get him on the show. I'm doing this thing. I haven't announced it yet. Uh, call our Fan of Fan series where all the people that we meet, Vish, at you know, the parties and stuff, I just want people to come on, do a quick five- to eight-minute interview how they became Niners fans, all those things, which leads me to you. You're a Chicago guy. I know you got family down in Texas. How the hell did you get aligned with this crazy 49ers fan base?
2: Yeah, so my entire story, um, it all starts with my dad. So my dad is an immigrant to this country, but he's a sports fanatic. Um, And he came here to do his Ph.D., And when he did do his PhD, he was interning at NASA in California. And his roommate at the time was a big Dallas Cowboys fan. My dad got into football because the year was 1992 and it was all about Dallas and the 49ers. And he just wanted to piss this guy off by just messing with him. So he became a 49ers fan and then he became hooked and he got addicted to it and he loved it. And he's like, he's... The biggest fan, and you know, in some ways I don't give enough credit because a lot of these conversations that I have and some people tell me, Hey Vish, that was a great point or that was really smart. And it was like, No, I didn't say that. That was my dad. We had a good conversation and he made a great point. And I he doesn't care to do this on any platform. So I'm out here stealing it. So it all starts with my dad. He's a big fan. Um I actually remember the first football game I watched, funnily enough. Like football is that meaningful to me in my life in terms of how much time I've spent like researching it and talking about it and all of that so the first game I ever watched was in 2004 it was a wild card playoff game between the Rams and the Seahawks Mark Bulger was the quarterback on one side Matt Hasselbeck was the quarterback on the other side I remember this distinctly because I was about three I, I was four years old at the time but I remember early I vaguely no 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 that was 2011 oh, Beastquake okay. was 2011 or 2010 2010 was Beastquake but um this I remember this because me and my sister used to get mad when our dad would kick us off the TV because he would want to watch football. would be like, why are you always watching this football? And that was the first time I told my dad instead of getting mad, like, can I watch this with you? And there I became hooked. And me and my dad, I was so happy when they drafted Alex Smith. And I've been watching every single game. Since then, I've been talking about it. I used to be a little party trick for my dad when we used to go out because I would have, you know, all the passing yards for every quarterback memorized, all their touchdowns, every stat, what their stats were in this game, whatever. And I could just spout them out on cue. Um, Pissed off a lot of people early in school because I would just be, you know, running my mouth way too much talking about this and talking about that. But that's kind of where I started. Um, I've always been passionate about it. I've always been passionate about talking the – about the 49ers, Um, and then kind of as things grew and transitioned, I I found a greater interest in the sport itself. And so for me, uh, you know, this talking and doing this in a medium has been very cool and a cool experience, but even before that, I- This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding. Or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: had already you know had this passion to research the sport um and talk and not even talk about the sport i never was interested in doing it because i didn't like the social media aspect of all of it and even it's not really how other people are on social media it's i i feel like i lose some of myself sometimes on social media and a lot of people i guess I don't know how they would react to this, but I often feel like even if I have a negative reaction or an interaction on Twitter, like it feels good for the moment, but really it's just something you regret, honestly. And I, I don't like that. And it makes me feel kind of weird. Not that I haven't done it. I definitely have. I've made those mistakes, but it, it just makes me feel weird. So I don't like the social media aspect of it, but I've always like liked the technical side of it. So I, I, I kind of by myself started watching a lot of coaching clinics and getting closer into the X's and O's and kind of talking about it. And then I kind of met Grant through Twitter, like weirdly. And he said, dude, I like your insight. And he took a shot on doing a show with me. That show kind of exploded. And now here I am right now. So it's been kind of a weird journey for me. I'm pretty thankful for it because it's been really cool because I The best part about it, honestly, has been interacting with so many different people. Because for me, as someone who could never shut up talking about football my entire life, I could never find people that wanted to talk about it as much as I did. I found some people in school, whatever, but I want to talk about this 24-7. That's all I want to do. I want to watch it. I want to talk about it. And it's awesome because now in this medium, I've found so many different people who share that passion. And, And for me, that's been the best part of this.
1: And, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we go to these places and we meet people. That's one of the things that's just been, you know, you asked me before the show, man, how is it not teaching and not coaching? Because that's been my whole career, 16 years right. teaching and coaching. That was like, not only was it my career, not only was it my job, it was my identity. I was coach. I would go to the store. Hey, coach. Like people would text me. Hey, coach. Like I was just coach. Um, right. And I revered that, and I held that as something sacred and important because it, that was important to me growing up. I walked away from that uh, to focus on this, which never was the goal. Never was the goal. Uh, COVID messed me up kind of mentally. Uh, I didn't like the Zoom thing. Uh, like I lost like the most important thing, which was building relationships with these kids, and it kind of messed me up long term. But having said all that, the podcast is great. The emails are great. The DMs are great. The best thing is just meeting somebody face to face, having a beer, or not even drinking a beer. If you don't drink beer, I don't care. Tailgate fans and just learning stories and building people and relationships and community. And so, you know, back to circle around, you asked me, how has it been not teaching and coaching? It's been different. But the trips and the relationships have totally filled whatever that was. It's a different aspect because it's not so much a mentoring, right? It's much more of a just hangout friend base. But, right. um, it's been good. Um, it's been really, really good. And it, shout out to uh, Kilted Niner fan. Oh my gosh, I love this dude, man. He's he's always showing up and always paused. Yeah, well, again, talk about meeting people. You know, Kilted Niner fan. Uh-oh, I lost it. Where'd it go? My bad. See, another thing Vish talked to me. He finally got me to join this crazy uh thing StreamYard. we got here. Yeah, StreamYard. And now I can't find the sticky comment, and I apologize. So I'm just going to read it out loud. Oh, I see it. Kilted Niner fan says, Niners really need to shore up the offensive line. That was the difference between Niners and KC. The Eagles were unable to get to Mahomes, whereas they were all over Brock. It was weird. You know, a lot of that had to do with the field. But at the same time, yeah, 49ers offensive line was up and down. Not very consistent. My question to you is, and again, thank you, Kilton Niner fan, for the super chat and the question. What's your assessment and how do you handle? You already spoke about probably need to move on from McGlinchey because he's too pricey. How do you handle the offensive line? If you were the GM, what are some of your thoughts with personnel, draft, or free agency?
2: Yeah. And so to me, the most interesting part about the offensive line is kind of what happens with Jake Brendel, right? He's still a free agent. I think coming back here makes the most sense because he's likely going to start again. The Niners do have a need, and he fits. He fits the system. It kind of works for him. Like he's finally a starter, but I don't know. And the Niners cap situation is not necessarily the kind of situation where if somebody gives Jake Brendel a big contract because they need a center and there aren't that many centers available, um, the Niners can just go and match and make sure they bring him back. And so that would change the entire details. But if they're able to bring Brendel back and if they're able to find some level of serviceability um, at right tackle, I, I'm not as concerned as other people, John. I, I, for whatever reason, the Niners offensive line just turns into this enormous conversation every single year. Anytime the quarterback gets hit, it's on the offensive line. Anytime anything happens, it's on the offensive line. And they're not the best unit in the world, John, but I watch every team as much as I can, as much as I can in a given week. I would say it's easily a top 10 unit in football in the offensive line position. The offensive line position by far in the modern NFL is one of the worst positions. I mean, Philly had one of the best offensive lines I've seen in maybe 10 years, but besides them, every offensive line has, has had its issues. In fact, the Kansas City O-line that everybody is now just going on and on and on about, Zeus Brown was horrible this year, and Wiley was horrible this year. Both tackles were terrible, and we wouldn't know a thing because the quarterback is that special and the interior O-line is good. But the modern NFL has turned into this situation where everybody has two good pass rushers and most teams don't even have two good offensive linemen. What are you going to do? Protection is hard. That's why even with the best offensive line ever Hurts was hurt in the Super Bowl. That's why even with the number 1 pass block win rate offensive line Mahomes was hurt in the Super Bowl. It's it's tough protecting these guys is tough evaluating them is tough because they run two run run plays in college. They're usually overpowering everybody in front of them. The strength discrepancy is massive. They don't do a lot of different pass protection. So there's a massive learning curve mentally along with physically. It's a very, very difficult position. I don't just see there being a band-aid solution here, John. And I don't know if the issue has been, I think the issue has been slightly exacerbated here on, where it is relative to the rest of the league.
1: It's interesting because like, if you just look at the NFC West, right? Four teams, there were 11 quarterback injuries, 11, just in the NFC West. Uh, the only team that didn't have an injury were the Seahawks with Gino, but this year was bad, uh, but right. it wasn't just the 49ers. And, you know, Sid, she says, you know, we got cooked by Philly though. And, and I would say, you know, I don't know because we only saw our quarterback right. for one series. Right. And so, whenever Josh Johnson came in, it was just bad, period. Um, right. And even his concussion wasn't against the old line. It wasn't. Uh, it was. And so, it, it's rough. And I understand the headlines because you see why do the quarterbacks keep getting hurt, keep getting hurt, keep getting hurt. Again, Jimmy didn't get hurt because of the offensive line. That was a free rusher. They brought a uh, six against five-man protection, and Jimmy's got to throw the ball away. That wasn't on him. Trey, run it up the middle. Not on the old line. Um, whatever. Brock, not against the offensive line. That was against the tight end. And Josh Johnson, not against the old line. That was against just a uh, blitzer off the edge, a free blitzer. So I don't I don't know. It's, it's rough, but I am with you and with everybody. It does need to improve. I'm not sure the best way to tackle that without a first or second round
2: pick. To me, honestly, John, the way I see offensive lines improving in the modern NFL is if you can get a quarterback that can mitigate some of your protection problems. Best example is the Rams. They didn't have any opportunity to upgrade their offensive line, and Jared Goff was pretty horrific his last year. Look at Jared Goff is an okay quarterback if you protect him, right? He's played well in Detroit because that offensive line is probably a top two or three line in the sport. He played well early in with the Rams when they had Whitworth and they had Saffold and they had all those guys combined with Todd Gurley in the run game to protect him well what did the Rams do they went and got Stafford and they had a quarterback who can handle protection a little bit better he can handle a free rusher and make him miss he knows where he's hot he knows these little things right and to me that's ultimately what's going to make the difference as much as we get on the offensive line and all of that like look at the two lines that protected in the Super Bowl just a year ago, protecting Burrow effort. They were horrible. Um, I I would say of the last four teams in the playoffs last year, the Niners and chiefs were the two teams with the better offensive lines and they both didn't win. And so it, it, to me, it like we can have this conversation over and over again, John, but where is the help coming from? Because so many different teams need that offensive line help and it's hard to find it through the draft. It's hard to find it in free agency. And so like, as much as I don't want to turn it into a quarterback issue in a quarterback situation, as everything is with the 49ers. Like to me, the quarterback is what's mitigating protection issues for a lot of these top teams in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I like it. Um, Now the that's going to play a role with this. Thank you. G code for the super chat thoughts on the Clint Kubiak hire. The Kyle Shanahan loyalty program is undefeated. We have not one, but two Kubiak's on the coaching staff. Now, wasn't really loved in Minnesota, um, but he is a Kubiak. Do well, you have any thoughts on this, fish?
2: Uh, Not really. I just yeah. think it's nice that Shanahan can bring in someone he trusts and someone that's going to be able to do what's put upon him. But I, I don't really like getting into these conversations, John. Like, do any of us really know what was put on Bobby Slowick every single week? No. Everybody and, is know- so ready to say he didn't contribute anything or he did. But do any of us really know?
1: No, you don't. And if you look at just 2 years ago before the start of the 2020 season, okay? So or sorry, 2021. Out of 21 coaches on staff, there are only 4 that remain. 4. 4. That's it. Out of 21. Right. right. 17 are gone and the one constant, well there's 4 constants, but the number one constant it's Kyle Shanahan. Right. And I think if if I could draw anything from this, it's that he has somebody that knows the system, an extra guy – that knows the system and knows right. what he's looking for as far as counting numbers for the outside zone, inside zone, like if nothing else, that now I'm hearing passing game coordinator. So then I'm like, okay, motions and, you know, three by one coverage on the backside, how side, they you teach know. their
2: core concepts, Yeah, w- so, what coverages, how you run your route against certain looks and certain coverages. And honestly, John, to me, the biggest thing is they talked about how when McDaniel left early in the season, there was a little bit of a learning curve in terms of figuring out, not that they missed, McDaniel, I, they did, but obviously Shanahan has shown that one of the best things he does is teach and coaches coaches and allow them to be able to deliver a consistent piece of messaging um, and allow his players to get the message that he wants. He does all of those things at an exceptional level, but they talked about how McDaniel was good with the Excel and they had to kind of figure out on the fly who could do those things to replace him. The one thing about the comfortability here is at least, you know, Shanahan knows what the guy can do and what exactly they can put on him so there's not that adjustment period that there might have been at the beginning of right. this year.
1: Man that'd be nice. I mean the 49ers finished strong all the time seems like. Right. And they've had one year with Kyle Shanahan 2019 where they just came out firing, you know, nine straight wins. Man yeah, you put some of that together. 13 to 4. I'd take 13 to 4 every year. I'm right. very very happy with the results as far as the season goes. But uh yeah, you you could get a little scary if you if you start fresh or start hot Corey. so so i have a i have a new theory
2: on i have a new theory on the slow start that i don't think anybody has touched on and it kind of came to me earlier this week to me the best way i can kind of put the slow start together is just that so much of what shanahan does is he puts stresses on defenses by understanding how they're trying to defend them and what exactly their plan is to stop them and then once he knows your plan it's game over because he knows your defense better than you know your defense And I think earlier in the season, what happens is Shanahan makes these adjustments and comes up with stuff in midseason that ultimately works. And teams go back to the drawing board and they play the 49ers a little differently. They play certain fronts a little differently. They play coverages a little differently. And I think the reason that slow start actually exists, John, is that it just takes Shanahan a couple of weeks to understand, Okay, now this is how they're playing me this year. Okay, let me adjust to the adjustment. And he adjusted the adjustment by putting Debo at running back. He adjusted to the adjustment by getting Christian McCaffrey. He has an adjustment to the adjustment, but it's hard to adjust when you don't exactly know how teams are going to play you. And we saw that earlier in the season, right? When they talked about, Oh, they didn't play the fronts that we expected and all of that. Well, you're not sure. And, I'm sure teams are going to go back. I mean, you look at all the different things the 49ers did out of 21 personnel this year, the way they ran that, you know, four strong concept that's been broken down ad nauseum from Kurt Warner to so many different people on Twitter to everything. But, you know, that concept is so simple, right? With a backside is- isolated route, a flat, a bubble, and you have a corner and they packaged it up in so many different ways. And I, I'd implore everybody to watch Kurt Warner's breakdown because it's it gives you the idea of exactly what I'm talking about. And you get the visual, which is better than what I'm talking about. But it just gives you an idea on how he stresses defense with one concept from one personnel look. And ultimately, John, I, I think that's why they're starting slow. I think it's just that teams go back. They go into the offseason, they study what this offense was doing, what Shanahan was doing, and they come up with a small plan that works for a little until Shanahan's like, oh, that's what you're doing? Game over.
1: You know, it's funny. You you talk about the four strong concept. One of the best coaching conferences I ever went to, and I can't stand this guy. I'm not a fan at all. One, I'm a longhorn, uh, which, Hey, what's up, man? Um, Jimbo (laughs) Fisher, Jimbo Fisher. I I sat through a two hour lecture series just on four strong and he broke down the exact same routes against every type of coverage, every different type of formation. It was just one concept. It was two hours and it was just incredible. And I was like, golly, this is awesome. And like, (laughs) I think it was my second or third year coaching. Uh, I don't even think he was at Florida State yet. It was, uh, But anyway, it was awesome. So I love stuff like that. I do miss the coaching clinics, man. I do miss those. Those guys do. I, uh,
2: I do. <laughs> I watch them all the time. And my takeaway every time I listen to these guys talking football is, damn, I know so little about this yep. sport. Like, I know so little. These guys know so much. The way they break it down, the way they talk about how they teach certain things versus different coverages. Dude, they're, they're so, like, I don't think people realize, like, the level. Oh, my God, they know so much.
1: And, again, I was just I was just at a high school level in Texas. It was a large program, but, like, come on, man. We're talking 49ers. Dude, yeah. This is top of the top of the top right. of the top. So it's interesting. Um, Corey, what's up, man? Thank you for the super chat. He says, the arm fatigue got most of the attention in Avery's comments on Lance at the uh, passer, but – um avery always has been an honest evaluator opinion trey has the better shot to be on top i'm pretty excited about trey lance and somebody said man what if trey lance starts week one which i think he will uh, just my own projection right now because of the purdy injury but the, the comment was something like man i feel like this is a drew Brees situation with philip rivers like where if trey starts man purdy might not ever you know get the shot again or whatever and i was like if that happens," That means we have a quarterback that stayed healthy the right, whole season.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: and if I don't <laughs> I don't care if it's Purdy, I don't care if it's Lance. If you told me right now, we would the 49ers would have a quarterback start 17 consecutive games in the like you're a one or two seed. Period. I don't give a damn who it is. Um, am I wrong on that? Am I am I too knee-jerk? But like
2: that's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when this team has had a healthy quarterback that's starting caliber your reaction would be validated and then more like one to two seed might be a little bit conservative there. That might be one seed written all over it, right? It was the one seed with one, the one year Shanahan had the quarterback start every single game. And it's not even a quarterback that, you know, it's a quarterback that most of us have spent the last two years talking about what he can't do because that's where the conversation is trended. But really, you know, he's a solid player and that solid player had, the kind of season that allowed the 49ers to be the one seed in the NFC. I absolutely agree with you, John.
1: So sticking with Corey's question, I want to push a little further again thank you, Corey. Do you see Trey Lance taking the step as a passer? We haven't really seen that. He's only started three games, but do you see him taking that step this year, the regular season?
2: I don't know. I, I haven't <laughs> been able to see him up close. I haven't seen him throw the ball. I don't know. I, in regards to Corey's question, I will say, and I said it, um, I think I did a show with, I was still kind of inconsistent with doing content at the time, but I think I did a show with Larry Kruger at the time. And I said the one thing for me, so I don't watch this guy the offseason. I don't get that. I don't get that opportunity. A lot of people talk about him during training camp reports and all of that, and that's fine. And I, I consume all that knowledge, but also it's hard for me to form my opinion based on somebody else's opinion or somebody else is reporting. And for me, I would say, John, the one thing that disappointed me when I turned on the preseason and, you know, we're lucky enough to get our hands on some preseason, all 22. And when I turned it on, I, I felt like a lot of the mistakes that I sensed, and now it's hard to even call these things mistakes because, you know, if he does, if he fixes the mistake one week and three weeks later, he's not making the mistake. It's not a mistake anymore, but we never get the opportunity to see three games later. So what we're dealing with is the right now, I felt like the hesitation, some of the inaccuracy, some of just how deliberate he was in the pocket in terms of, okay, it's not there. Now let me look down at the rush. Okay, now I have to move out of the pocket. How it was like a tick slower just because it felt like he was thinking and then doing it rather than just doing it. I felt like all those issues from the year before, seemed pretty consistent and my question was like what happened during the year and during the offseason I remember somebody asked Shanahan along those lines and he said you only get better by playing and that's where I was completely perplexed by how that entire situation is handled I still am in a lot of ways I would trust if Quincy Avery thinks he's going to get better sure that's definitely a possibility but we'll find out we'll get to watch him this preseason hopefully fingers crossed he's healthy he gets to go through a full offseason he gets to do his thing and we'll get to find out.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Still looking. Thank you so much for the super chat. Appreciate it. He says, what's up, Chapman? Glad to hear this talk tonight. Always a pleasure. Vish, nice to hear from you. I love it, man. Um, And he says he totally agrees about social media. It it does weird things. Um, I love this. Uh, Shout out to the old SNL sketch. (laughs) I got a 49 years fever and the only prescription is more Chapman. I need more cowbell, baby. Uh, Christopher Walken is a legend. Absolutely love that man. Uh, He says, this is great football chat, Celestial. More A-plus content from Johnny Chapman. I haven't heard Johnny in a while. Uh, Bring it. Bring it. Big Papa, love the knowledge. This is awesome. So as we draw this to a close, I want to turn the conversation back to you, Vish. How can – can you let us know some stuff maybe you have coming up? Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they support you? This is a great show, and everybody that's watching or listening – Follow these directions. Go Vish.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Vish Um I, I like talking football on there. Sometimes I tweet a lot. Sometimes I don't tweet. It just kind of depends on my mood, whether I'm on there a lot. But, yeah, you can also find me on YouTube. Same thing, at Vish Kamaran. I'm actually upping my streaming schedule a little bit. I found kind of a rhythm on how I want to do this. Coming up, I have John Chapman, the one and only – <laughs> Coming up, we just have to figure out, you know, what's the uh, logistics of that. And then I have a few other streams planned, and I'm actually looking to shift my content a little bit during draft time, um, particularly because I think some of the talk has become a little tedious and unhealthy for me surrounding the 49ers, where you know, if you say something about Brock Purdy, you hate Trey Lance. And if you say something about Trey Lance, you hate Brock Purdy. Or if I say, hey, I like Brock Purdy. I think he played better than any 49ers quarterback I've ever seen through five games. But to me, that doesn't mean he's a long-term guy. Like he's got to come back from his injury and continue to maintain this level. Oh my God, you hate Brock Purdy. So some of that has been a little bit um
1: new irritating is dead in today's society. Oh Sammy. yeah.
2: Oh my God. It's been a little bit irritating to deal with. So I, I am shifting my content in the sense that I would will be talking about little more broader topics um during draft time. I don't know if people are as interested, especially because the 49ers are kind of uh, not really a conversation during draft time because they don't have a first or second round pick, but I will be, you know, shifting to slightly broader topics, not getting too far away. Still, we'll be talking Niners and everything, but, you know, a little bit more just, hey, I. so for example, I'm watching Will Levis right now. First quarterback, first player I'm watching. Let's talk a little bit about Levis. Let's talk a little bit about Stroud, Young, all these different guys. Um, That's the plan for now, John, but as you know, sometimes – as Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan until you get punched. So I, I'll find out when when there's two views on the video and all of that. As much as I don't do this for the views, the, the views do mean something. And so I will shift my content based on that.
1: It's weird how it goes, man. Uh, but I, I just got to say, I, I just hope you keep creating. Um, it's a better place when you create. So thank you. I appreciate Thank you for your time. And I look forward to being on your show uh, later on. And, man, 49ers don't play Chicago. So Dude, I know. I know.
2: Uh, I'm, I am I got a job now, though, so I got no excuse to not get myself out to some other game somewhere there. there I know go. where I can go if I, I find that game. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're going to be out there for training camp. I'm kind of considering taking I am a also week. considering. Yeah. Dude, is it just so that you can see this in person yourself, nothing else?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, That's why pretty not? pretty much
2: all I want to see. That's pretty much all I want to see. I'm so sick of having to deal with – the conflicting reports from five different people who I completely respect, but I'm unable to figure out what exactly is going on. Let me just go watch this for myself. I'll form my opinion. I don't even have to talk about it or, you know, do the old where everybody runs to their content right after so they can get it out first. So that's kind of the prevailing narrative before the disagreements come out. I don't care about that. I just want to see this kind of in-person, get a feel for it. I want to see, get a feel for Hopefully I'm a little bit closer. I'm applying for a credential. We'll see how that goes. But hopefully I'm a little bit closer just because I, I, I don't know about you. When I watch football, I like, I like seeing the size of the human beings. I like seeing the the body language, all these different things I like watching. And you don't really get that experience unless you're there. Like When you get to see Trent Williams in a game and you see the way he is, the fact that he's that big of a human being and he wears that weight more naturally than I wear my weight, Like, like, Oh my God. Like, okay. Like I understand now. I understand that you have a different DNA than me. That's why you're doing this. That's why you're that. And I, I get it. And I love that. So I'm hoping to get out there.
1: Dude. I love it, man. And we're, we're going to find a way, man. We'll, we'll find a way to hang out and uh, have another drink together, but fish. Thank you again. Thank you everybody at home. And man, go check out his channel right now. Click the link in the description of this video podcast, wherever. Go subscribe, and we'll be over there in a week or so. And until next time, thank you, everybody. Stay strong, faithful.
3: Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and
1: are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid
3: cancer.